smart politics for stupid times. Welcome to the Unprecedented Podcast with John Aravosis and Cliff Schechter. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. This is your co-host Cliff Schechter, here along with my other guy, the main guy in my life, if you will, John Aravosis. Hey, John. That's the screaming Greek, <laughs> the screaming Greek goat is my mascot. Now. The screaming Greek goat is really good for all circumstances. Of, oh, speaking of other guys. Speaking of other guy in your life, uh, Gillum, I was going to say Terry Gillum. That's, Andrew Gillum. That's, well, we'll talk Andrew about Gillum. that as we – Yeah. Yes. Why don't we talk about those other topics on our show? First, why don't we – I'll I introduce we our guest. Why don't we our guest first? Um, yes. We uh, – a returning champion. We're lucky enough to have uh, an old friend of mine. And by old, I mean we've known each other a while. Not that we're old, but if we've known each other a while, we're probably still old. Uh, Matt Robeson. Matt is a former congressional staffer, just like Mr. Aravosis. Matt was former Congressman Paul Hodes' chief of staff. Uh, he's been a campaign uh, manager who won. I know you won a campaign in Massachusetts and some other places, um, all around smart political and energy consultant and analyst. Uh, now a writer for Alternet. He has his own podcast that is played on a New Hampshire radio station as well as released out to the world. Name of the podcast, Matt. Share with us all. Off the record with Paul Hodes and Matt Robeson. And uh, he gets some pretty big time guests. Who We may talk a little bit more about this, but you on the show the other day got, uh, why don't you tell people who you got quickly? Yeah, we just finished recording with John Anzalone, who is the lead pollster for the Biden campaign. And oh. uh, it was it was a humdinger. It was a great interview. It, it's it's coming out this Friday. So looking forward. Okay. I would also add Anzalone is, is one of the top in the business. And I've worked on some races where Anzalone has been the pollster. He's like that. That polling firm right now is probably one of your three, four ones. I mean, they've got Democratic Senate races, gubernatorial races, congressional races, everything across the country. So uh, they they have a, a their finger on the pulse because they're seeing a lot of numbers. But why don't I kick it back to John? He'll he'll kick out uh, all of our our topics yes. for today, and we'll take it from there. Yes, I also want to say that if if Matt uses one more Bidenism, I'm going to start a bingo card. Hum, hum, what was a humdinger? Is that what you said? A humdinger. A humdinger. I haven't humdinger. used that since I was a kid. And oh malarkey. God. Well, malarkey you haven't yeah. used, but sorry? Malarkey is a great Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very great. folksy. I Actually, <laughs> I like the old folksy. We get that from our parents. I'm sure you get it from yours. I get like the weird stuff from my mom typically where I say stuff and people are like, where'd you get that from? Like, that must, oh, the cat's meow. The cats come home. The cats Man, were very important. Bit, Man, am I correct in thinking you grew up in Riverdale? No, no, no. I, uh, Upper West Side of Manhattan. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, I forgot that for some reason. Okay, well, then I can't, were I can't make important. that joke about you that you were a rural kid, which of course wouldn't have been true anyhow. Um, because that's, I am from a small. That'd be an inside joke for New Yorkers, I think. But he's he's an yeah. Upper West Side guy, so. Oops. That's um, okay. So topics for today, uh, especially because Matt is here, we're doing a lot of election stuff. We're going to talk about the Electoral College, what Biden needs to win, Bloomberg investing 100 million in Florida. Does that matter? What does it mean? Uh, the Woodward book revelations versus the Atlantic article revelations, uh, COVID versus suckers and losers, which matters more. Matt has some opinions on that and has written some stuff on that. Uh, we're going to talk about the POWMA flag going missing at the White House, Trump's new ad supporting the troops, except it seems to be Russian But they troops. love the troops. Where would that flag have gone? Did some suckers or losers know. maybe steal it? I know. Um, more or less social distancing at the White House today. Oh, and Trump advisor pretty much calling for an armed insurrection along with Trump himself. Uh, but first, um, well, I don't Advisors. know. I mean, you guys, 
advisors. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we've got multiples. Um, you There's know, multiple we, ones you've now called for an armed insurrection. Yep. Well, you know what? I've changed my mind now. Let's jump in for – we had another topic we were considering throwing it at the beginning, but I'd like to delve right in if I may choose executive privilege here. Uh, let's start talking about the Electoral nice. College. Cliff, before we joined uh, the show, you were – Telling that's a French expression I use sometimes. I always do that. I joined. <laughs> well, joindre, like, like, like join me. Exactly. I, we probably shouldn't. But um, so before we started the show, I have to Cliff take was, it out and use it every once in a while, John. I know my you French gotta, isn't doing me any. Well, and, and, you know, really, I know that people will be shocked by this, but there's not a huge hmm. French-speaking population in Cincinnati, so Cincinnati? I don't get to practice very often. Exactly. You know, and and exactly. Um, but no, but I think Cliff, were you saying, and we can throw it to Matt that Matt did some kind of an article recently about the Electoral College, what Biden needs, this kind of thing. Well, what Matt wrote, and and I, so we'll kick it to Matt. Um, yeah. We were talking about this before we went on. Uh, was the Matt wrote, Matt writes regularly for everybody who wants to read his stuff, and you should if you want to be smarter and understand this stuff better. Uh, he writes for Alternate. Um, he also is edited by another great friend of the show there, Joshua Holland, who's a smart dude, um, and. Um, Matt wrote about that the reason why, and this is obviously our, what the, the situation we're dealing with, this is not the way a democracy should work, but welcome to America, that we need to win by significantly more than 270 electoral votes to prevent Republican fuckery, for lack of a better term. And uh, let me kick it to Matt and let him explain what he wrote. Go for it, Matt. Uh Sure. Yeah. I mean, and look, let me preface this by saying that I like to play a, a game with my kids called Debbie Downer, where you make an innocuous statement and then someone has to chime in with a real downer like, hey, look at the wildflowers. And then someone would say they're probably harboring angry bees. So I'm not trying to be Debbie Downer. <laughs> yeah. But um, look, you know, I, my contention is that <clears throat> instead of defining winning as one candidate edging across the line of 270 electoral votes, which I'm sure all the listeners to your show know is the constitutionally defined line for winning the presidency in the electoral college, we really have to think about something a lot more profound, which is what is it going to take to avoid a catastrophe? And don't, don't How take do you define me. catastrophe, by the way, just so people, I mean, are we talking well, violence? Are we talking include, constitutional? Yeah. <laughs> so but, personally, I include uh, any scenario where Trump wins, but more broadly, election <laughs> experts believe that we are skating dangerously close to a complete meltdown of our system of elections and government, um, where we do not have a peaceful transfer of power. And one of one of the, I think, fundamental definitions of a successful democracy is the ability to conduct any exercise of power, but especially transfers of power through elections in which the losing side accepts the result. And there's a caveat here, accepts the result without violence. Um, and, you know, again, don't take it from me. Election experts are saying that they don't see this going particularly well, especially if we end up in a close contested Result, you know, the bipartisan policy center ran through a number of election scenarios uh, for how this could play out in the end game, and in only one of them, a massive Biden win, they found it would result in a peaceful transfer of power. Um, and on my own podcast, I just interviewed uh, historian and Amherst College professor Lawrence Douglas, who wrote a whole book about this called "Will He Go," where he <laughs> lays out different scenarios for how this could all end, and he thinks we're right on the edge here. So. My underlying point is just that if you if you're thinking about this just as we have to just get over that 270 line, 
probably not thinking holistically enough. There is a real chance that the system could melt down in December, and we have to overshoot that 270 mark pretty significantly in order to feel like we're safe. Can I ask you something that would be sort of devil's advocate? Not fully, but somewhat. <clears throat> what about if we if we only get slightly over the 270 electoral vote line, but win by 10 million votes? Does that make a difference, popular votes? Does that make a difference in this scenario or not? Yeah, it makes a difference. I mean, I think there are two factors in the post-election scenario. Um, one is credibility, public credibility, um, and the other is litigation. Um, so, you know, look, look, we saw both of these, uh, just to take the Florida 2000 uh, example as the most famous example, we saw both of those play out, right? It was a fight both in the courts and to shape public opinion. And famously, what happened on election night was uh, Bush was up by 500 some odd votes. And that really shaped the public perception that he was the winner. And of course, there were all these engineered efforts, the Brooks Brothers riot, which you can Google if you're not familiar with it. Oh, we've um, talked about it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That, other... the, that the Forrest Gump of all evil fuckery in the last of the last 50 years of American political history, Roger Stone, was actually very much involved in. And we'll get yeah. back to him in a bit. But go ahead. Oh, yeah, that says it all, right? Roger Stone was the godfather of it. So, you know, it was bad. I mean, you know, so so that was the, that was the whole Republican effort, right? It was to shape public opinion and the, and, and the credibility of the outcome with one hand and to uh, form a litigation strategy with the other hand. And that was successful for George W. Bush. So, yes, I mean, you know, a short answer to your question is it does matter in terms of perception if there is a big margin in the popular vote. Um, and it but one of the one of the problems that we're going to face is what election experts are variously calling, well, you have in your home state, Cliff, uh, Ohio State uh, political scientist Ned Foley has invented mm -hmm. the term blue shift, which is mm -hmm. the uh, pattern where as votes come in, as uh, provisional ballots are counted, as mail-in ballots are counted, the vote tends to shift toward Democrats. And that creates what other election experts are calling, because we have to use all the colors of the rainbow, mm -hmm red mirage, which is the real likelihood that on election night, because more Republicans are going to tend to vote in person, more Democrats are going to tend to vote by mail, it may well look, as people are watching the news that night, like Trump is winning. Right. And so, yes, a popular vote margin would help Biden, um, but it is up against a real credibility and perception factor um, that's going to be tough. It's going to be tough for Dems. Um, and I mean, do you have stuff you want to jump in and, and add, John? No, I was just going to – one thing on the absentee ballots, I had heard that in some states at least they are allowed to start counting the absentee ballots the morning of Election Day. So they don't have to wait until polls close. Um, I, I just – one of the things that's always baffled me is – for mail-in ballots, but even for regular ballots, when you go to the booth or whatever, why the hell does it take so long to tabulate it? I mean, like when you go to the machine, aren't they, they're machines. Like, why don't we get election results immediately, at least from the machines? I've never understood that. Because I'm not sure. Or because they're not always machines. Are a lot of them still paper that you pull out with the holes Some in Some are, right? Some I mean, are, but it, it, we have a, we, we, the biggest problem is, is that, and this of course is, um, a, a leftover legacy of slavery and the antebellum republic. Uh -oh. 
right. is that we allow state each state control. You know, we've only stepped in federally. Right. For example, with the Voting Rights Act, when when states were doing such you know things that were so egregious that the federal government justified it under civil rights, basic civil rights, to step in as voting is a basic civil right. The problem, of course, is still when we did that, and maybe we, we wouldn't have had the votes to to go any further. Certainly in the 1960s, but we really need uh, to take voting rights away from the states and have the, the, a federal government overwatch. And again, I don't know. I'm not smart enough or I'm not educated enough mm-hmm. to know how that's done because obviously it's in our constitution and anything along those lines, whether we can do it with just legislation, what we would need to do. But we certainly need the Voting Rights Act back and need to, you know, it, it, it was a, a, the Voting Rights Act was a classic one of those norms that. It got passed every two years or whatever it was, two years, I think, by huge majorities repassed because it was just expected that it would. And Republicans back then, culturally, that it was part of you know the party, even if they tried to suppress some votes, said, of course, you're going to vote for the Voting Rights Act. Of course, as soon as the, the, they, the Supreme Court took away uh, the necessity uh, of, of oversight and, and of these sort of districts that need to get preclearance because they were the ones mm-hmm. – it's a long sort of thing, history of the most discrimination – uh, Congress, of course, did no longer did their duty and kept repassing. Republicans were like, "Nope, that's uh, that's an example of the kind of thing that that we need to make permanent, right? Right, and can't be a every two year voting affair. It needs to be a permanent permanent part of our architecture uh, of our constitution and of our the way we govern because that's what gets us into these situations, John. The reason why you don't know yeah. right away because every state and frankly even county has different ways of doing things which in a modern democracy it's, is ludicrous it's ridiculous and honestly even the fact that we have voting tiered across the country and that you know they because everyone complains about california or wherever you know right that in other words the east coast finishes we could have a winner before california even closes right and the people, right. people and, and the big danger there of course is this year and future years that we've got so much in-person voting as you guys just said so that all of a sudden not just does and I guess this is the next step in our discussion that we were about to have, which is if election night tricks you into thinking Trump won early, but he really hasn't. A, we're going to have the civil war problem of Trump claiming he won, and then when the votes come in and turn around in the next day, he's going to say we stole it; they were fake votes. B, you've got the problem of California and other Western states not having closed yet, but all of a sudden Trump's already declared the winner by Trump and, and California. By obviously, is, probably, is going to be where we win by far our largest popular vote. Yes. In net. Yes, so that's but, but congressional, but congressional districts, right? There's at least one right. district. I mean, we got Devin Nunes there. I mean, we've got at least, and we've got Mark. Uh, is it Mark Meadows or the other guy? Who's the um, California California rep? Oh, uh, here's right? McCarthy. You're thinking of McCarthy. I'm sorry, I was going to say the, the the leader. Yeah, there's about so you, six or so Republicans yeah. at this point. I think in right? the congressional delegation. Well, but but it, but I'm saying, but it matters for stuff like that. Even no, it any case. But for, Matt, what about? I mean, what do you? How concerned are you? I mean, as far as election night. Forget about just getting out the vote and people going home and not voting because they think Trump won. But in terms of Trump trying to turn this into some kind of civil war, I don't know what else to call it. Yeah, I'm pretty concerned. And again, I'm I'm trying not to um, I'm trying to avoid, um, you know, hyperventilating. Baseless, <laughs> right. Hyperventilating <laughs> the punditry here. I'm just going on the track record here. Right. So we saw this in 2018 with the DeSantis election um, and uh, in the Senate election in Florida, where, you know, they were having this counting lag and there was a recount, including, you know, in the Gillum race for governor. And you have Trump starting to tweet the next day looks, you know, something to the effect of, 
Democrats rigging the process, suspicious that they're catching up in the recount, have to go with the result on election night, right? And that's right. that's right. the tenor of what we know he's going to say. Now, I, let, let me because I've been so much of a Debbie Downer. Let me let me give one point of good news. John's point is right. Some states do allow uh, the counting of absentee ballots to start a little earlier than like the close of the polls. One of those states is Florida. So there is a little bit of a hope that um, right. Florida will not be quite as much in that red mirage column, but uh, it's, it's a real concern. And, you know, I would, I would commend the book, mm -hmm. Will He Go? Or, you know, just Google the uh, Bipartisan Policy Center uh, war game exercise on this, just to, just to look at some of the scenarios that the experts have, have laid out. But um, just based on Trump's behavior, yeah. And now, folks, we are going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. Take it away, Cliff. Well, John, now that we've said goodbye to summer, and I'm, I'm tearing up a little bit over that. I know. It's time for things to get back in our everyday autumn groove. The kids are back to school. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, it may not be. Uh, everything is flavored with pumpkin spice. And before you know, not my stuff, but before you know, the leaves will start changing color. With so much changing around us, it's increasingly difficult to find that extra time for you. The time you need to take care of yourself and look your best. With Plexiderm, all you need is 10 minutes, John, and you can look 10 years younger. Oh That's God. correct. That's right. Plexiderm yep. is a clinically studied serum that gives your appearance the right kind of changes. Visibly reduces wrinkles, fine lines, and even under eye bags in minutes. Plexiderm even works on laugh lines. Number 11s, John. We know Number 11s. Yep. Crow's feet. Take up to 10 years off your appearance in less than 10 minutes. The results will last for hours. And you can take the family apple picking and look your best the whole time. Even better, Plexiderm doesn't involve... Any visits to a surgeon and cost less than a round of pumpkin spice lattes for you and your friends, depending on where you live, perhaps. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. You can try a six application trial pack for just $14.95 with free shipping when you visit triplexiderm.com or call 800-685-1292 and say the code VOICES. This order also comes with free shipping and a 30-day money-back guarantee. Make those wrinkles, lines, and under-eye bags, and yes, number 11s, John, disappear with Plexiderm. Visit triplexiderm.com or call 800-685-1292 and say the code VOICES at checkout. So, Cliff, John. did you know that bacteria and viruses live everywhere? I, I heard that somewhere. I feel like I heard it on an ad or maybe I read it. Yes. Your phone, earbuds, car keys, groceries, packages, wallet, even your face mask. Sanitizing these items is an important part of staying safe and healthy, but it can also mean using harmful chemicals that constantly need to be replaced. The Clean Phone line of products changes all that. The Clean Phone brand offers a full range of sanitizing products that use ultraviolet light. This is the same technology used to sanitize. Sorry? I, I was making a boom zoom kind of noise. Oh, boom zoom. Room for satellites of light. This is the same technology used to sanitize hospital rooms and medical equipment. The clean phone products have been tested by independent laboratories and provide the best quality UV sanitizing for every need. The clean phone is a device designed for phones and household items. It even works as a wireless charger for your cell phone. And now add the new clean phone wand, a portable handheld unit that can go anywhere and be used to anywhere? sanitize 
anywhere and can be used to sanitize tablets, computers, packages, groceries, and more. Go to the newdealshop.com to select the right clean phone products for you. Get free FedEx two-day shipping and as an added bonus, get 10% off FDA-authorized respirator face masks. Go to thenewdealshop.com now. That's free FedEx two-day shipping and a bonus 10% off FDA-authorized respirator face masks at thenewdealshop.com. Go there now! And now back to Matt. Let me ask you guys. I mean, do do you have any doubt that he is going to try to work the refs by legitimate and illegitimate means? Um, you know, starting eight p.m. Eastern on absolutely uh, not, absolutely not. Yeah, in fact, I, I I would bet anything that I that is dear to me on the fact that he yeah. would and will. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if he tells people to rally around the White House with guns on Election Day. Or even better, he's also going to send people with guns to go to all the voting places to keep the ballots safe. I mean, he will I, – I, I think we are still at the point with this guy where he still does stuff that surprises us, which is weird because you know I wouldn't put anything past him. But he still has the ability to surprise. So I would have no – I think he's going to come up with something so outrageous by Election Day that we didn't even consider what he's going to pull off. Well, I mean, look, you know, yeah, it's yeah. happening right now. I mean, uh, Mark Elias, who who leads the the Democrats' legal efforts, they just won a victory in Colorado, where DeJoy, the USPS um, uh, post postmaster, um, was sending out fraudulent mail in voting information. Um, you know, and look, it's not a stretch. I mean, you guys are extremely creative. Um, what's to stop Trump from deploying ice raids on November third? Um, you know, what's to stop him as, as John was just suggesting from saying, oh, well, we've received information that there's going to be At this polling place, there are going to be people illegally. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Not, yeah. not bombers, I mean, certainly. Yeah, not there to stop him. No, I mean, you could see yeah, a constitutional absolutely. crisis there, too, because if Trump pulls that, particularly if it's if he does that in a state where there's a, a, a Democratic attorney general or even. Uh, a, a county where there's a, a local Democrat, you know, and that there's a good chance that would happen because a lot of the, the places where Donald Trump would try to pull this would be urban, suburban counties that would there's a good chance they would elect, city, you know, city and county prosecutors who are Democratic. And, and you know, so, I mean, you absolutely could see this happening. Or literally, we've got like a Wallace, you know, not Wallace, uh, what's his name from, uh, well, he is Wallace, sorry, standing up on the steps versus like troops. And we've got literally a standoff. Um, or I mean, I'll I could... give you another one. I mean, hmm. just if you really, if you really want to start sweating it here, um, you know, Trump isn't the only one who's, we know, trying to muck with things here. Um, so there are a few data points you can put together here. We know that Russia has infiltrated the electric grid of Ukraine and uh, several electric utilities in the U.S. And we know that the vote in Wayne County, Michigan, um, would be highly disrupted if there were a power outage for Detroit Edison um, on November 3rd. And we know from polling that African-American voters still have a preference for voting in person, especially vis-a-vis other Democrats who overwhelmingly prefer vote by mail. Right, so to the polls. if there were a power outage on November 3rd in Wayne County, what would we do about that? Right. If all of a sudden the most Democratic-leaning area of one of the biggest swing states in the U.S. 
were unable to conduct a vote. And it, 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 it just made the difference, theory. frankly. Yeah. Well, you know what's not trying to uh, well, no, no, it's, make it's, everyone uh, sort of here, but you know, it's yeah, it's I, again, I'm not, I'm, it, it's not just kind of coming from me. I just, you know, Cliff, your original question was, how concerned am I? How concerned should one be? And I, I'm just trying to make the case that when you read election models. Uh, you know, that are based around the, well, if Biden gets to 270, which is the, in any normal times, you know, he will win the election. And my argument is just that these are not normal times and we can't bank on that. And yes, there is an uncomfortably high chance yeah. that things will fall apart. Cliff, let's segue this to the discussion we were going to have later about Caputo and Stone and Trump. Sure. I mean, I think, I think that good, makes sense. Um, good, yeah, go ahead. You know, so Michael Caputo, a lot of you might recognize him as he was on CNN a lot, Trump defender, um, another guy with weird consulting ties to Russia, apparently, um, and, you know, vocal, obnoxious Trump defender. It, well, he well, gets it, hired. He has consulted for a Russian um, oligarch who is known to be a spy. So let's yeah. let's just say it like it is. Yeah. He, has, he has done consulting work for a Russian spy who is a Vladimir Putin ally. That is somebody that should not be allowed to be at, at, at serving in any capacity in our government. But yet, yet <laughs> he is. Yep. He gets appointed a senior communications job, if not the senior communications job at Department of Health and Human Services. Uh, they're overseeing COVID. He is the guy, if you guys have been paying attention to the news in the last week, he's the guy who interfered this weekend, we found out, with the MMR morbidity, mortality reports that come out of the uh, CDC every week. Hugely important. We, Cliff, we used to use these reports back when I was working at Children's Defense Fund. I mean, hugely important data. This is 20 years ago uh, that the whole world emulates, but uh, any kind of doctor statistician in the United States looks to this data for what is going on in health in terms of disease, death, et cetera, you know, uh, in, across the United States. Hugely important data. Well, Caputo got involved, you guys might have heard, and complained to CDC and said, I'm changing that data every week. It's now got to go through my office. And they're like, what do you mean? This is like data on who lived and who died in various diseases. Like that's why does it go through the political office? Because the data isn't in line with Donald Trump's optimistic message on COVID. So now he's editing the data. Well, wait. So the next step with this is who he is. I just wanted to set that down. Right. He does a Facebook Live this weekend, and in it starts talking about how there's a cabal of, of course, cabals again. Here we go. Our 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 two Jews on the show. Their ears must be ringing now. <laughs> the cabal of all these, you know, super smart scientists have gotten together in the basements of the CDC and they formed an anti-Trump group, a secret group society. And it's sedition, it's treason, he's calling it, because they want Trump to lose and they're, they don't care how many Americans they kill with COVID. They want everybody to get really sick so Biden will win. Well, he says this. He then says that he thinks uh, there are Democratic assassination squads being formed for Election Day and Republicans need to go out and buy their ammunition now so they're ready because Democrats are going to challenge the election and Republicans basically need to show up with their guns to fight back. And his final point was he thinks these Democratic hit squads are going to start killing Republicans and he himself, he thinks, is going to die. Now I throw it to you guys and we've got even more than that, but that's that's just to get things rolling. Yeah, I don't know what I have to add to that. 
we'll tie know, it to the larger issue we're well, talking I mean, about. Certainly, it up. I'm yeah. not sure if he's he's just an insane person, which again, anybody around Donald Trump, there's a good shot at that, or you know, if this is a purposeful attempt, which I still think it's more likely that to to sow discord, to lead to chaos. To, to And again, this is somebody who has been in the employ before of a Russian spy. What is to make us believe he isn't still? And that this isn't even – that he's not even serving Trump specifically doing this. He's serving Daddy Vladdy by doing this. You know, that, that in the end, the, the key thing that the Russians want, no matter what happens at the end of our election, is for our election process to, to be completely discredited and for as much violence to break out as possible – so that we are as close to a failed state as we can be, um, even if Biden does win. And so what, you know, and again, it, it certainly is in service of Trump. He could be doing it for Trump. He also could be doing it for Putin. You know, he also he could, he could be doing it because little men in his head are telling him to. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, that's the thing. Ever Actually, there was, it's freaking dangerous. Real quick, there was a quote, and then maybe you throw it to Matt. There was a quote in, um, in an article about him this weekend saying that in this discussion, he started saying how, you know, his family's being threatened and he's being threatened and he lives alone in DC now. I guess his family isn't here and how it's really affected his mental health. And I find myself sitting at, I'm paraphrasing now, but this is pretty accurate. I find myself sitting at home alone, looking at the ceiling and staring at the shadows, the really long shadows that keep growing. And I mean, you're reading this going, oh my God, like um, this is. You shouldn't be working for the administration. Maybe you should be in a padded room. Well, or just get, I mean, get at that point, quit and get the hell out of here if it's affecting you that much. But, but what worries me is tying it back to what you and Matt were discussing. I feel like at each step of the way, these guys are preparing for a civil war and the way they're doing it is claiming we're going to get violent, right? The left is going to be violent. So like that kid in Kenosha or whatever, uh, you know, uh, the, the kid who crossed the border and shot somebody, you know, we've got to, we've got to all get, they've got to all get ready with their guns because they may have to get violent to stop us from being violent. Right. And this is, the, and, this is, very and this dead. is all about, to be clear, again, it's playing to their base. It's wanting to sow discord, but in the end, it could lead to a lot worse. Let me let me let Matt jump in. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I I, I think you I would thought just, you were Debbie Downer. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's a, it's a competition, and I, I'd say that you know, at this point in the show, it's it's wide open. Uh, any of us could win. Um, <laughs> so I'm I'm going to make my bid for it here. I mean, you know, I, I think what this speaks to in part is, um, it, it's sometimes hard to enunciate in a, in a very short time, um. Why is Donald Trump so bad? Because he's flooded the zone with so much badness um, that it 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 it's like it's like a lion trying to hunt a herd of zebra. All you see are stripes. There's just it's a target rich environment. You don't even know where to begin. One of the things that's really under the radar, though, that you're speaking to when you talk about this manipulation of data on deaths from covid is the smoking crater that Donald Trump has left in the federal agencies. And I know that sounds on the surface like a very unsexy topic, but people don't realize that the executive branch isn't just the president. The president oversees a 2 million strong workforce that directly influences or uh, in other ways supports one in every $5 in our economy. And the damage that's been done under the surface Within the work right. of the federal Positions government, he hasn't filled as much as right. As, Absolutely, as yeah. Or, or that he's filled with you know indifferent bumblers or partisan hacks. 
Um, it, it's it's really profound. And I mean, you know, in energy, um, the slow undoing of environmental regulations, the undoing of Obama's clean power plan. These are the kinds of things you don't hear about. They don't make headlines. We don't talk about them down the stretch in a presidential campaign. We're not even talking for the most part about how California and Oregon are on fire. I mean, right? Absolutely. And, you know, that's that's the thing is that that's why it's very hard, you know, in something short of a book length. Um, and then I'll shut up about it because I could go on forever about it to really describe the, the the fundamental damage that's been done. So, you know, look, I hear this, you know, insane, crazy person at the CDC talking about the lengthening shadows. And, you know, it's obviously extremely creepy, especially, you know, talking about violence. But it does put me in mind of all of this damage that's going on under the surface. And, you know, if you're at home and you want to Google things Trump did this week while you weren't looking, um, that'll, <laughs> yeah. that'll wake you up quick. Um, and that's, that's really what this election is all about is that if we get Joe Biden as president, I don't know that the prospects are much better to pass big legislation through this kind of a Congress. And in, in I do if we get rid of the filibuster. Well, that's a, yeah, that's, that would help. But I do know, I do know that we could start to repair the work in the, in the federal agencies, which is where 95% of the policy is made in Washington these days. And under the surface, things would be getting a lot better from a progressive standpoint. These are, by the way, and I'll say for John, speak for John on this one, huh. but these are the conversations that John and I often have on this show yeah. to kind of try to share with people. And I think a lot of our listeners know this, but you know, you don't always think about it. And, and some really smart writers have written articles I remember Mike Tomaski, who's been a longtime editor of mine, when I used to write columns of The Guardian and now The Daily Beast, wrote a piece about, you know, he's originally, he lives in D.C., but he's originally from West Virginia, and about how one person at the Health and Human Services Department under Obama, this is, so this is from a number of years ago, I remember him writing this, that this person went out of the way and was able to help somebody going through, I just don't remember the story, something pretty serious, a health issue in West Virginia. These are the things people don't get, and this is this is why John and I, you know, have had our arguments with the people with the the uh, you know the what's called the the not the Bernie wing of the party because most Bernie folks are going to support Biden, but the Jill Stein wing of whatever they are, uh, you know, who are the my way or the highway we're going because they seem to understand nothing that they, they just look at the president and think that's everything. That if you don't fully, you know, agree with the presidential, uh, what the president's doing, but who, you know, who gets staffed in the administration, which are going to be, if it's a progressive, there's going to be a lot of progressives and they're going to put some centrists there. If it's a centrist or you, or you think it is, they're going to put a lot of centrists and a bunch of progressives there. The point is, is that you're going to have a mix of people and they're all going to be better than anybody Trump would put there. Uh, and, and they do things every day that people just have no idea. You know what I mean? The education department, health and human services, commerce, all these things. And, you know, these are these are this Michael, is a lot of Michael way, Caputo, as you Cliff, Michael Caputo right. working at HHS, changing the actual w weekly data of who's lived and died in the country. Right. The joy at USPS. <laughs> yeah. Right. And I'll I just mean, piggyback on that. I mean, even at yep. a level of like, think about John Bell Edwards uh, in Louisiana, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, Democrats are supposed to be a big tent party, and I know there's no more divisive issue than abortion. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, Democrats may not love every position that he has, but on day one of his administration, they extend Medicaid to 500,000 people in that yep. state who now have affordable health coverage for the very first time. 
Um, so I, I just don't want to hear from people who think that elections don't matter and that uh, it's all the same thing and that a vote for a Jill Stein um, is a perfectly reasonable proposition when we're talking about this kind of a difference. Let me say this as, as yeah. quickly as somebody who sat on a statewide board of Planned Parenthood, okay, <laughs> and has been a, a consultant in the past for both Planned Parenthood and, mm-hmm. and NARAL and finds and is a big supporter of these organizations, you know, as much as I can give financially and certainly in the work I do on this issue. I was right there a, a million percent behind John Bell Edwards because the simple fact of the matter mm-hmm. is, is that Louisiana is not New York and it's not Vermont and it's and frankly it's it's not anywhere else it's not Texas it's not Ohio it's Louisiana and in the end who you get elected in in local elections you they need to fit the local electorate they they're, they're not going to be your dream candidate of who you'd like to to elect in the east village of New York or you know uh, where Matt lives in in uh, in in college towny uh, eastern Massachusetts or western Massachusetts sorry uh, i mean it's it's just it, I, that notion is so ridiculous. And Connor Lamb, said, right? Connor, Connor Lamb's Lamb's a good example. Yeah. Edwards yeah. also was terrible on, on an issue that was very near and dear to, that I work on closely, which are guns. But you know what? Yeah. <clears throat> Louisiana has the most gun owners per capita in the country. Louisiana is the yep. biggest gun state. I know Texas and tends to get more credit, but Louisiana is actually even worse. So when you can elect somebody who's yep. going to come in right away and give extend Medicaid to everybody and be great on a whole number of other issues, education and other things that we care about, if they fit locally the way John just yep. brought up Connor Lamb or yep. Joe Manchin, who else are you electing from West Virginia? Well, you know what, yep. Cliff? Compare it to Lipinski. That's exactly right. And who do I support there? I support the challenger because Lipinski, uh, Dan Lipinski, who had his seat literally gifted to him by his dad, who waited to drop out of a Democratic race until the primary was over so his son could inherit his seat in a beautiful, corrupt Chicago style move in the suburbs of Chicago. Lipinski, you know, was was the only Democrat left who doesn't didn't support marriage equality. Anti, uh, he was he was uh, very pro NRA, anti any kind of gun safety measures at all, anti choice nut voted against the ACA, I could go on and on, and was in a liberal district. And so we supported a challenge, I supported a challenger to him every single time. And this time, guess what? We knocked him off with a challenger. Right. Thumbs up. But that's the difference. That's the difference. Is sometimes you do tolerate uh, Alabama, same thing, right? I mean, sometimes you tolerate somebody who's going to be a little more conservative because guess what? It's way better than Jeff Sessions or whoever that. I mean, Doug Jones is incredible for Alabama, actually. I yeah. mean, he's to the left of Mansion, and pro- I mean, he's probably around. I was going to say, I was just going to invoke Mansion and say he's no Mansion. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, and he's still conservative. Don't get me wrong; he's much more conservative than I am on a number of things. But doesn't in the end, who who else are you electing in Alabama? I mean, I mean, that's what I can't stand. Is I I get it when people are pissed when people do not represent their districts. You want somebody more progressive? You should. But when we're talking about you know when we're talking about people that represent where they're from. The, you know, there's a, a, a there's a spectrum where in whatever state or locality they're from of where they could maybe maybe get as far to the left as they could get in that state and they go any further, they can't win. And that's just being a realist and understanding this stuff. So, I mean, you know, that was a great example, Matt, of John Bell Edwards, because, uh, you know, as somebody who where where choice is one of my top two or three issues, I was as supportive of him as anybody else. Um, well, and, and when you think about it on the congressional level, you know, I mean, just to kind of round out your point, even in a case like Dan Lipinski, and you know, I'm all for Marie Newman, that's that's fine. You know, uh, if Ayanna Presley wants to knock off Mike Capuano, fine. Um, but the, the, the vote that matters 
is for Speaker of the House. And so whatever issue you care about as a progressive, 100 times out of 100, you want a Democratic Speaker of the House over Kevin McCarthy or whatever you know other right winger you'd have up there. That's the most important vote. And on any issue you care about, you're going to get a better outcome 100% of the time. So yes, I mean, I, I it all kind of goes back to the original point of I have very limited patience for uh, purveyors of ideological purity uh, when it comes to the real outcomes that matter to real Americans. Right. And, and, and this is almost the perfect segue to two important things. First one, which we won't discuss because there's really not a long discussion to it, but the Green Party was kicked off the ballot in Wisconsin, um, which makes me very happy. Yes. Clap, clap, clap. Explain why um, we care, Cliff. The Green Party, as we don't have a ranked choice system of voting in the United States of America, we have a winner-takes-all system. Uh, in the end, all the Green Party does is take votes away from, from the Democratic Party from low information yes. or otherwise ideologically, let's call them um, misguided voters. It's worse, it's worse than that. And, but no, I'm, I'm going to say quickly. Oh, okay. so what happened in Wisconsin <laughs> yeah. in 2016 was Hillary Clinton lost by 22,000 votes and the Green Party got 31,000 votes. Um, quite literally, you could probably get – I mean, sure, some of them may have stayed home. Otherwise, sure, I don't know who your green voter is who's voting for Donald Trump, but there might be a few. But but that could have, and I would say there's a good shot that that would have that was the difference. And I mean, there are other things that were the difference. Too, and the ballot being is, mailed as well. That was the other key issue. So not being on the yeah, ballot yeah. In, in Wisconsin right away helps us there. The second segue oh, no, no, no. is yeah, go well. No, hey, Cliff, I'm sorry. What, what I meant was a number of organizations had already shipped ballots out. To people or to ship the information out, I believe, in, in Wisconsin. And but by having were, to add the green person, it would have screwed up all the ballots that have already that's been correct. sent. They would have, and hauled, if you would have hold the ballots longer. Voting takes place oh, later. And if you voted on the wrong ballot, you would have to, like, fix it. Right. <laughs> you thought everything you already voted. Been, yeah, that's correct. Oh, it, it was a disaster. Just another reason why we need the federal government to control this. But we'll talk about that another time again. So, so Wisconsin, this is a, a huge deal, um, a difference maker, potentially. The second segue is... The other place that was mentioned earlier where the last election was stolen back in 2000, Florida. Big difference there is we get an announcement that Michael Bloomberg is going to spend $100 million there. Um, that is huge. Again, I will say um, I, I, I the most of the work I did on gun control with groups funded by Michael Bloomberg, I think on issues like gun control and um, also, women's rights and climate change. He has been an incredible advocate of those, uh, and and I will at the same time say his treatment of women has been terrible. And there are other things that I have a, a big problem with. Okay, but but Florida, this is going to be huge. Um, I wish he were doing this also in Texas, Ohio, North Carolina. Maybe he or others will, <clears throat> because this is the money ball play. You can put all the money you want into your philanthropy. To into your C3, you know, charity organizations for climate change. If you don't have somebody at the top and you don't have a Senate willing to pass stuff, you're not going to get stuff done. I don't care how much. So I'm hoping this is the beginning because Bloomberg often does things late. And I'm hoping this will get some of the other billionaires to do it too. Uh, but for right now, we know that, and I'll let Matt jump in on this. We know that, that Joe Biden, as of right now, the only area where he is performing worse than Hillary Clinton are among Latino, Latina voters. And we also know that Donald Trump via Facebook and other means is piping literal propaganda conspiracy theories like batshit crazy stuff to them. And 
the Democratic Party needs to fucking toughen up and first of all, have lawsuits against any radio station or anybody that plays this bullshit. Uh, on top of it, they need to go after fucking Zuckerberg in a way they haven't yet, as far as I'm concerned. But again, that's a conversation for another time. For right now, Bloomberg's 100 million. Where do you think that might make a difference, Matt? Yeah, I mean, I think exactly where, you know, where you mentioned, you know, there's this slice of Miami-Dade uh, Cuban-American voters who uh, there's some polling evidence that they're more susceptible to the Joe Biden is a Trojan horse for socialism attack, um, and for good reason, uh, from their uh, family experience uh, in Cuba. Yeah. Um, and so there, there's, there is some moderate evidence that that, that is uh, working for Trump to some extent, and uh, maybe accounting for the difference. You know, in the polling, what you're seeing is Trump isn't doing that much better uh, among Latino voters in Florida, but Biden is doing, I think it's about seven points worse than Clinton. So that does suggest that there is uh, room to grow for Biden there. And yes, a targeted 100 million uh, at that segment of the electorate um, where you see that that opportunity for growth, that that seems like a powerful combo uh, to me, what would you do um, with it? On your earlier point about no, Wisconsin, would, go, go on. Yeah, sorry. Oh, go, go, go ahead, please. No, I was going to say, what would what would Biden do with it that he couldn't have done without the hundred million? What more can he do? You know, I, I mean, more communication is is always good. More Spanish language uh, communication is always good. Uh, more contrast is always good. Um, one of the things that we're seeing right now is uh, Trump going dark. Uh, meaning uh, not putting ads up on the air in a number of states uh, ever since the shakeup in the Trump campaign uh, with Bill Stepien, uh, st- stepping in. That was a. Well, Parscale, in his defense, had to get a, a Lamborghini in blue. Well, so he did. I think you have to feel, you have to feel for Parscale. He only had a Ferrari, I believe, in, in red, and, and he only had a, a green Hummer. So, you know. I know they can't spend on ads right now, but you know Brad had some had some things he that, that, that on his wish list. Santa wasn't listening, uh, and you know he did what he did. Yeah, the man's a. He, he, I mean, he's a human being. We have to have compassion. Don't we all? Okay, yeah, go yeah. ahead. Sorry. Absolutely. So I mean, you know, I I know that some of this is the more is more is more uh, argument, but um, you know, we have seen a pullback. But some of that is a strategic repositioning, right? I think what what the what Stepien, what the Trump campaign is essentially banking on is, all right, look, we're, we're gonna make we're gonna make a push at the end. That's when it counts most. We're really gonna flood the airwaves um, in October and late October, um, you know. And as much as Biden has been outraising, uh, including in August by 150 million dollars, uh, the Trump campaign, um, it's still fairly even in terms of uh, ad spending. And so that kind of a, a massive infusion targeted at one state can really tip the balance. And as much as we've seen earned media and cable, uh, you know, make a make a big difference and help Trump in the 2016 cycle, paid media still works. Um, you know, there's a whole there's a whole ad industry that uh, is built around the idea that you can influence people's opinions uh, with enough advertising. So, right. yes, well, you're I, talking I, about I, somebody here who, who is a 
partner in an advertising firm. So, right. so I'm I not going to argue with that. that, that case we convince everybody of everything, and you should always yeah. – but no, there, there is real science behind the fact that if one side goes dark, people, especially people the la- who are the lower information voters – you know, the the if one side goes dark, as in does not have TV ads and digital ads and these kinds of things, uh, and the other side is pounding them over the head, you can sway some opinions. There's just no doubt. Um, and and so you it, you've got to be you know fighting back. Now they're making they have they've had money problems. Um, the super PACs, some of the Trump super PACs still have some things on the air, but it is significant that, as Matt pointed out, in states where the early voting has not started yet. Um, they pulled off the air and they did it in Ohio. They did it in Arizona. I'm trying to think where else. There are a couple others states that, you know, Michigan. you wouldn't have even thought a couple of years ago Trump would have to be defending, but he is. Um, well, let me throw and- one at you guys. I, I don't know what you make of this, <laughs> but um, there was just some polling that came out that of, of Jewish voters. Um, that I am. That, right. Yeah. <laughs> and it showed that um, Trump is doing. Fairly well, not among Jewish women who uh, only support Trump at about a, a, a 20% clip, but he's doing fairly well among Jewish men at about 42%. Uh, the Jewish population of Florida is relatively high. Uh, and we're also talking a little bit uh, before we went on air about the Republican uh, uh, tango that they're doing with the QAnon conspiracy theory, which has deep anti-Semitic roots. So I guess my question- Well, and that he hired, he had Seb Gorka as one of his, I mean, you know. Absolutely. He he surrounded himself by neo-Nazis half the time. Tell me, because I want to know totally, because I know what the number is, we usually shoot for as Democrats. It's pretty simple. It's 70% is usually what we'd like. I mean, we'd love it if it was 75 or 80% of Jews, but but 70% plus is what you're going for. When you combine men and women, what, what do you know? What's the percent? Yeah, we're at about uh, we're at about uh, two thirds. It's it. I think it's about 67 percent. So they want to up that a little bit because you want to get. Wanna I mean, again, so it's bit. not so I mean, far off of of where it normally is. You want to get to seventy to seventy five. Is your is your, your absolutely and and you know so I, I I mean that would be a question. I, I'm just speculating here, but you know if you're Mike Bloomberg and you have a hundred million, that would seem to be another area where you could potentially make an impact in Florida. Yeah. I, I mean, does that jibe for you? No, that makes, I mean, Florida is one place. There are a hell of a lot of Jewish retirees in Arizona. Um, you know, that would be another place I would think you could make some impact. And there certainly are in, in certain, I mean, Detroit, there, there, you know, is a major urban center. And, you know, we Jews like our major urban centers. So is Cleveland. So, I mean, you know, look, I, I, that's, these are all places you can make a difference. What my guess is, is that Trump, it's not a huge statistical difference then, but Trump may have gained a few adherents on the moving the embassy to Jerusalem and a few of those things that he's played up in a huge way to win over because he's they've made a big issue of all that because the evangelicals love it too. And with it, they may have won over a few percent of Jewish voters. I'd have to see more data to know if that's true or know, you know, if it's 66 and it's usually 70, are we just talking margin of error? Um but but no, I mean, you do make you are making a solid point. You'd think with all the anti-Semitism, I mean, literally, I mean, seriously, the closing ad from 2016, I rewatched it for some stuff I'm doing, uh, you know, about two weeks ago. Trump's closing ad literally, I mean, talk about oh, the protocols of God. the elders of Zion. Yes. It was a global financial elite 
you know, is taking away your job. I mean, it was this old stab you in the back myth from Germany after World War One that the Jews had betrayed them. And, and pictures of multiple wanted. Jews he then I mean, showed. Everybody, multiple, literally everybody he showed a picture of was Jewish. Yeah. It was Lloyd yeah. Blankenstein. It was Janet Yellen. Yep. Um, even the Pauls, the the Pol, the Pauls, P O L S. He chose to show the only one who wasn't Jewish was Hillary because he had to show her. He showed yeah. Chuck Schumer. Yeah. I mean, seriously, everybody outside yeah. of Hillary Clinton who you could shoehorn shoehorn in there. I'm not even Jewish, and I saw the ad and went, "Oh, oh my God!" Soros, Blankenfein, Schumer, <laughs> Yellen. There were more. I'm forgetting. But I mean, the whole globalist, you know, they're taking our jobs. They don't, they're, they're not, they don't, they're, they're sort of rootless. These rootless globalists who aren't, who are betraying our country, who aren't loyal. I mean, Jesus Christ. Wait, can, can I ask a question of both of you about this very issue? So sure. one of the things that has driven me nuts with this issue, and it's like every other issue that we deal with as Democrats, there seems to be a, pa- seems to be, there's a pattern of behavior by the Republicans that's atrocious. In this case, uh, using anti-Semitism to get votes. And yet at the same time, they try to curry favor with the Jewish community. Oh, we love Israel. And it seems to work to a degree. And I don't understand how they get away with this, because again, this should be a slam dunk issue with the number of anti-Semitic attacks. You, you remember that tweet? That tweet, was it Mark Meadows or whatever the Republican Party did a while back? Yeah. Um, I don't know if it was going after Bloomberg. I got another super. No, you're, you're, you, tweet. You, I, 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 it's just funny. You keep mix, mixing up McCarthy and Meadows. I know. I keep McCarthy. mixing them up. Yeah. It's okay. They're both dicks. So, you know. Well, and I don't know which me. one did it because one, one was like. The other dick's from California. Well, and one dicks. is the Republican leader in the House and one was the head yeah, of the Republican, the Republican uh, conservative group, the right? Uh, yeah. He's from California, and yep. he tweeted out something where he mentioned Bloomberg, Soros, and who's there you the go. third one? Uh, oh, what's his name? Um, you know, the climate guy. Big climate a guy. A and for office. Tom, you know, uh, Tom Steyer. Steyer. Was oh, only God, half, yes. Was only yes. And actually was raised, yes. I believe, Episcopalian. So he doesn't subscribe yeah. to being Jewish, but it doesn't matter. But his the name, name sounds, Steyer. Steyer sounds Jewish, right? Jewish so here's, my, here's my question. I'll throw it to Matt first. What is annoying to me as a Democrat is how many of these issues happen where it should like Trump and the military or whatever. It should be obvious at this point, you know, we could hang him by his own petard to use the expression. Cliff wants me using more French. Um, I, I don't get why we aren't able to take this and run with it and destroy Trump with the Jewish community. The amount of anti-Semitism that they've had to date. But we can't well, and we don't. Uh, I wish I I wish I had a brilliant answer. And it's to not this. just the Jewish issue because you probably know what I mean. Uh, there's yeah. so many issues that seem okay for all of that's us working in politics. Hitler. Sorry, Cliff. <laughs> what Cliff? I said that's very Hitler, the Jewish issue. The what Jewish issue. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. we're that's getting there. Best. Go ahead. Historical. I have an answer. I mean, I'd like to go first, but I have my answer. Yeah, let's have Matt and then Cliff. Yep. So I would link it. You know, this is I, I'd call this a, a theory, um, not totally proven. But, you know, mm-hmm. we we you said at the top of the show, John, you know, we might talk a little bit about this question of um, which would be worse for Trump, the the comments that our fallen soldiers are suckers and, and losers uh, or the revelations that he knew exactly yep. how deadly and contagious COVID was. Um, and yet and other revelations. Yeah. Right. And, you know, part of the argument. That, that I was sort of constructing about that. And this, I think, gets back to your, your question about why does he not pay a heavier political price um, for the anti-Semitism? Um, part of the argument is that, you know, if you look at the issue he has been harping on, which is violence 
violence at protests, violence associated with Black Lives Matter, um, you know, scary black people are going to move into the suburbs, which is ridiculous because the suburbs are actually um, disproportionately diverse. Um, what you find in polling with issues like that is that they're highly polarizing. And, you know, so you can see on, on an issue like violence that we've gone in the last two months from a fairly even split of respondents who um, think that who, who perceive mostly violence versus those who perceive mostly peace to a very polarized response where about two thirds of Republicans perceive mostly violence, two thirds of Democrats see mostly peace. And I think that when it comes to an issue like um, anti-Semitism and, you know, kind of his his push for moving the embassy uh, and uh, his support for Netanyahu, that is within the Jewish community, very polarizing issue on partisan lines. Uh, what you find, again, in polling is that Jewish respondents um, tend to break down very strongly along partisan lines on issues like the embassy, uh, on issues like that. And so I think that it's of a piece with his whole strategy. And the reason he gets away with it is because he selects issues that send people back behind their partisan barricades and that make voters have to make a choice, a very stark choice. And to them, the chasm that they have to cross from their side of the partisan aisle to the other side is just too wide. And so while they may hold their nose, while they may find some of Trump's behavior odious, they may find some of his policies despicable, they just perceive the difference with the other side as being too vast. So that's my that's my unified theory of 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 everything. It might be wrong. Cliff, what no, do you think? I think actually a lot of that's right. And I can I just I can add to that with an anecdote. But let's start with the, the broader theory, the broader frame. And the broader thing is it's something that we talk about and I talk about a lot in this show and whatever is first of all the irony of the fact that of course the 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 QAnon and types like that and you know whatever yell and scream about Jews controlling the media when the truth of it, when actually here we've got a whole conservative element that controls a right-wing media that is simply a propaganda, um, you know, series of propaganda outlets that are all interconnected uh, that pretend to be news and aren't. And so when, when let's say when Ilan Omar says something anti-Semitic, which she did a few times, whether she meant it or not, I don't know. Okay. But she did. She said things that, that, that will be all over Fox news all day. That will be on Rush Limbaugh all day. That'll be whatever. When, when, you know, when it comes to uh, what's his name, what's that dick? Who's the? I mean, who got who got shot and survived? Uh, the House oh, member, Republican, Scalise. Steve Scalise. Steve Scalise went to a White Power conference like 15 years ago. Literally attended a White Power conference and spoke. Referred to himself as David Duke without the baggage, and is in Republican House leadership. And they did not feel a need to remove him. They got away with that controversy. They moved past it. Do you think we would ever be able to get away with that? I mean, I wouldn't want to get away with that. But the point is, do you think we would be ever be able to? Of course not. Because Fox News and those places harp on it. They, they're, not, they're not loyal to a news agenda. They don't have to be. 
So they just talk about it and play it over and over and over. We have, for some reason, I still do not understand the people with money on our side of the aisle have not seen fit to setting up any kind of distribution that yep. comes close to rivaling theirs. We and have Pod don't... Save America, which went very big and reaches a lot of yes. people. We have MSNBC, which isn't even fully liberal, but have a couple hosts that reach a pretty decent number of people. We have people in the trenches doing stuff like what John and I do here, which we're, we're at the high end of the tail of reaching people and we don't come close to, to, you know, the daily caller, right. Or the, whatever, we just don't do it the way they do it. Um, and that, and right away, that's a huge problem. It puts well, us and, in a massive and disadvantage. They, and look how they stick to messages, Cliff. I was just right. thinking of this again yesterday. Well, let, when, me, well, wait, let, let me throw in a quick 30 second yeah, anecdote. Okay. Just yesterday I was watching, um, I forget which it was some Republican operative, but Trump did it again too. They keep talking about Biden hiding in his basement. A reporter finally had to weigh in and say, I've been following Biden all week. We hit four different states this week. Like, what are you even talking about? But Trump has created what he thinks is a good lie that hits and hurts. <clears throat> he thinks that Biden's hiding in his basement. <clears throat> Excuse me. And put aside the fact that it's a lie, Trump is incessant about bringing the point up again and again and again and again and again. And so are his followers and his, his acolytes. They stay, and it's, it's, on, these and they stay like, on message. And we don't stay on message. I responded to that when Trump said the basement thing. I responded with, the, are you tweeting this from your bunker? And my whole thing was, yeah. where has that gone? Why yeah. are we not all repeating that ad nausea? Every time Trump does something, we should be like, is that yeah. from your bunker? Bunker, baby. Every time he right. talks about Biden being in the basement, but we don't. No. Exactly. exactly. You know, we have this great messaging. We come up with it, and then three days later, it's gone. Now, part of that, yeah. of course, again, goes back to we don't have the, the, the apparatus to do it in the same way. We don't have an organized apparatus with millions, if not billions, of dollars behind it, in this that will disseminate this kind of gar. You know, well, it's in garbage when they're lying about us, but we will disseminate our actual real messaging about them in the same way. That's one big thing. But the second thing is, and this is where the QAnon stuff happens. Whatever they bring you when you're a Republican into their whole universe. And here's where I can give you an actual anecdote: We are not as aggressive, and we are not as shameless as they are. Anything close to it. Not even the same freaking universe. So I have a friend from back east, Jewish, right? And somebody I talked to, a friend, and didn't vote for Trump in 16, but couldn't bring himself to vote for Hillary. Lifetime Republican, one of the more conservative Jews, he ended up voting for Gary Johnson, all right? And he was thinking, but now he's so horrified by Trump that he's starting to lean towards Biden. Well, the emails, if you knew the emails he gets, because he's on like these, you know, Republican Jewish coalition, you know, emails and all that sort of shit he's getting stuff again Ilan omar says one thing or the people the, the the women from the uh you know from the what do you call it the women's march who are hanging out with farrakhan go to like you know they hang out with farrakhan this stuff's all being pipelined to him you know that right. that you know they're going to undermine israel they're going to undermine they're giving into and all these anti-semites on the left control joe biden linda sarsour and i mean they've made linda sarsour doing, somebody and they're doing so, Political mailings based on Elon Omar, they will not let right. it go. So here, here, and that's based on racism. And then let's Obviously, throw this to Matt in a second. By the that, way, but yeah. Here's, but yeah, well, I'm going to throw it to Matt because here's the here will be the point for you. The only point I need to make to make this clear to you: this is somebody who, make either as a, a CEO of a medium-sized company, makes a lot of money, pays attention to politics, is socially liberal, is always been a Republican. All this stuff, he should be reachable. And and yet, what, what when I reached out to, when I said to him because because Judaism is important to him and how Jews could be treated. And I started, I sent that video to him 
of the, that last video from Trump in 2016. Mm-hmm. I sent the stuff on Scalise, Seb right. Gorka. I started looking up all these things again. And here's their deal. He knew every damn thing Ilan Omar has ever said. He knew every all these other stuff. He He's never heard of Seb Gorka. Never wow. heard of him. Wow. This is a guy that got the joined the what was it called the Hungarian Cross organization that literally was founded by neo-Nazis or not neo-Nazis by ex-Nazis in Hungary after World War II. Trump hired him and had him still, I think he hired him again, didn't he? He's doing something with Trump again. But my friend had no idea. And he had no idea that that actually Louis Farcon, the same Louis Farcon we're talking about said some really nice things about Donald Trump and appreciated the fact that, that Jew, the quote unquote, the Jews didn't control Donald Trump. He had no idea about that. He had no idea about Steve Scalise, you know, their number two guy in the house saying, I'm David Duke without the baggage. They, because they're on this yeah. whole, in this whole universe where they're digitally Clint, sending I, this I, stuff to him. I, I promise we're going to send this to, and I promise we're going to send this to Matt. Wait, wait let me, was, 20, just, 20 more seconds and then we're throwing this to Matt because I'm, I'm getting more pissed just, off here. I just felt like I that been, was a hugely important point yeah. to make. No, but I have been trying for months now to get a one pager about the goddamn coronavirus. I want a one pager that succinctly says what Trump did wrong from the beginning, why he didn't do because he keeps saying, oh, we did all of this in February. We did the China thing. A one fucking pager. I can't get it. It doesn't exist. And if you Google, good luck Googling coronavirus. You're going to get five million stories popping up. We, we don't do, whereas I have family members that are clearly on some email list. And just like you said, Cliff, they know every issue inside out, all these little details. They're all lies, of course, but boy, they've got the lies documented. Or even and if they're we, true, they we have nothing. bad misstep our side makes, some oh. stupid thing somebody does, they know it. The other side doesn't even know whole people, uh, they, they don't know whole people all right, exist. All right, Matt, Go ahead, Matt. Pass to Matt. We're pissed, Matt. Well, I don't know. I don't know where to start. There's there's so much good stuff in here. I mean, you know, again, it's one, just us missing opportunities. I feel like and not long oh. long term coordination, long term attacks, holding the message. Well, I, look, I would like someday I would like some political scientist to do an analysis of the number of syllables that each side uses in its argument. I think that you hmm. could show a statistical relationship where the fewer syllables you use the more likely you are to have a winning argument. Um, And Democrats are the kings and queens of the, let me tell you this at length. Um, We, we, we never miss a chance to make a long point. Um, So, I I mean, I, I do think that's number one. We can't succinctly explain something as simple as how Trump messed up and killed 2000, 200,000 Americans. Um, I actually, you know, I kind of wanted to go back uh, a little bit to the point Cliff was making um, about uh, the the repetition and the message discipline on the other side. And to me, it goes with something that I heard on your show several months ago. It was one of your really good shows, but now I'm struggling to remember. See, if you hear stuff on our shows, folks, you'll learn shit. Seriously. Yeah, it, did. it's worthwhile. <laughs> uh, of course, we're preaching with the converted here, but- what was the name of the author you had who looked back at Newt Gingrich, the, the birth of the Newt Gingrich? Oh, movement. it was Julian Zelizer, yeah. uh, history professor at Princeton University. Brilliant guy. Yeah. You know, and one of the things, one of the insights that, that he delivered and that I've long felt, one of the changes <clears throat> in American politics over the last quarter century was the insight that Newt Gingrich had that there is no political upside to moderating your message. It used to be, and I'm going to turn this into a question back to you guys in like 30 seconds. Um, 
It, well, no, I mean, be, we've been going on for a while. I'll keep going. <laughs> no, but seriously, you should take my experience on campaigns. I know you guys have been in media on Capitol Hill and in campaigns for as long or longer than I have. It used to be that whenever I was on a consultant call and I would say, hey, could we say this outrageous thing? The consultants would sort of tisk tisk and say, no, that'll boomerang on you. It'll backfire. Not that the consultants were bad, but I think that that used to be a lot more true. And one of the things that, at least this is my perception, that, that Newt Gingrich realized is that you really don't need to worry about paying that price. You actually are just negotiating against yourself. So if you want to say that your opponent killed a thousand people by mismanaging a pandemic, you might as well say, no, they killed a hundred thousand people. If you want to say that your opponent, um, you know, is, uh, is, is, is weak on child trafficking, you might as well say the whole QAnon theory that there's a whole global conspiracy to drink the blood of children. That's a, that's a fundamental change. I'm not saying that only Republicans do it. I'm saying that Republicans were the first ones with Newt Gingrich to realize it, that there was actually a political advantage to going as far and as hard as they wanted to, that they could get away with it as long as they kept repeating it. Um, and that it just seems to me the Democrats have been a lot slower to catch up to that. And in the instances where they have, the overall effect is bad because now you have both sides throwing the most extreme stuff at each other. Some of it is truer than other uh, parts of it, but it's very, very hard for the average voter to figure out which side is being hyperbolic and which side is being truthful. So, so that was my attempt to turn that as, as a question back to you. Are you seeing the same thing? Does this, am I, am I sort of imagining this or do you see the same roots and the same effect? I want to say this one thing and I want to kick it to John and make hmm. this quick point. And, but I want John to elaborate more. I'll just say, no matter what the situation is, and, and no matter you know wh what world we're in, there is simply no way that somebody who is a potential swing voter, even if they're a registered Republican, who cares about Jewish issues, should know every single negative thing said by a Democrat or some other person that's not even a Democrat, like Linda Sarsour, and have no idea who Seb Gorka is. That means we are failing. Yes. Go, John. No, I think it's it's it. I told the story before about a client I had way back in the early 2000s. Well, I'll say now I can say it was it was Planned Parenthood, but because it was almost 20 years ago. So all those people are gone. And we were talking about some issue and it was uh anyway, it was some good issue. And I was like, oh my no, my spider sense went off. And I was like, oh my God, we've got to milk this. This is great. And somebody on the comm staff turned to me and said, oh no, 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 you you understand we already put out a press release on that. And she meant there's oh. nothing else to do. We we did that already. And I was like, yeah, and that was yesterday. What are you doing on that issue today? What are you doing tomorrow? Could we have some in-person events? Could we have some rallies to get attention? Could we have some publicity stunts to get the media to cover it? You know what I mean? What's maybe a talking point that you use again and again and again at every press conference you do, but how do you just beat the shit out of this issue so that it starts to stick with people? And they do. I will say, but Cliff, like you said, it is a little freaky though, because I mean, the kind of minutia details that I find sometimes these Republicans have, I'm like, what did you like, where did you even, what did you guys hold a class or something? I mean, like, you know what I mean? Where they're memorizing the most arcane, weird data. And you're like, what? 
you know, Nancy, well, Nancy Pelosi, you know, right before COVID, Nancy Pelosi went to Hollywood or wherever the hell, San Francisco. Hollywood, and, or, well, how do we well, No, they like, got an actual, this is a talking point. She went to some public thing, a event on the street fair, and she said, blah, blah. And you're like, oh my God. But they, 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 and as I, part of it's organizing though, Cliff, I can't get the goddamn fact sheet. I've tried. I've asked everybody. I've tried. I give up at this point. We don't have a freaking fact sheet, a long one, and then a short one. And, that, frankly, and, and, and an even be, shorter that one. Should, that should be the DNC's job. As yeah, as and as an as even as shorter as one that has three talking points about how Trump fucked up on COVID. And then I want a memo on how Trump fucked up on COVID. And then I want an essay on how Trump fucked up on COVID. And they're available, and you send them out to people. We don't get that. I just I don't know what to do at this point. It's Cassandra it's also I, I mean, driving oh. the message via digital, via email. I mean, <sighs> again, it's not even what frustrates me the most is it's not even all lies. Some, of course, plenty of it is, but it's it's actually what it's doing is it's taking things that people say completely out of context to fit their narrative, and yet we have things completely in context. I'm sorry, but I'm going to stay on message for now. There is no explanation for hiring Seb Gorka. There is no explanation. Forget his unbelievably shitty personality. When you know that he was he was given a medal that he wore and walked around with by a, 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 not a former group founded, a group founded by former Nazis after World War II that is ultra right wing and believes in anti-Semitic conspiracy theories. Beyond the fact that we found out that essentially he has, doesn't really have a PhD and the whole thing's a fraud because his friends sat in judgment over it. But that's a whole other issue of academic fraud. Just the anti-Semitic part. How does everybody who's Jewish and or has sympathy to Jews and maybe votes on that, certainly those who are intermarried to Jews, like my wife, you know, people, how, how do they not know? Every one of them, you know, on both sides should know. Yet we know who he is. They don't. And that means somebody's failing. Ugh, I don't know. They're better at messaging, and in, in a way, they are. We're but not always bad. But the thing is, like, they're not yeah. better. It's like they make the effort. We don't even try. That's the thing. Like, what, are they? I mean, I guess you're right. We could use fewer syllables, mm -hmm. and we when we're better, we do. We'd well, say something straightforward. Yeah. But the distribution of said message, we don't. Yeah. We don't come close to matching them, and it's an easily fixable thing. And I, I just. I don't know. Again and again, we talk about this constantly, and we don't fix it. Well, <clears> and I don't get it. Hannibal Lecter, um, you know, read Marcus Aurelius' Simplicity. Mm. Um, that's an area we struggle in, right? I mean, mm. you know, to John's point, uh, I would really love to have that one pager at hand because the case seems to me startlingly obvious. But I'm steeped in this stuff, and even I struggle to succinctly describe Trump's yeah. pattern of behavior and how it led directly. And I can do it, by the way. I can do it. You just have to be willing to sit down with me for half an hour while I take you through several Washington Post, New York Times, and Atlantic investigations and timelines. Um, and that's a very hard way to communicate in a political context. Yep. So, I mean, I mean, that's that's what's so frustrating about all of this. Yeah. In any case, I feel like I may be winning us over one vote in, yeah. in a, an actual swing state because I am sitting here doing the job of what somebody else should be doing and making sure this friend has seen every single, you know, Abraham Foxman formerly. Right. I think of the Anti-Defamation League just broke his silence. You know, this yeah. is the, the Anti-Defamation League thrives on being bipartisan. They never come out and take one party's side or the other. 
And he literally just broke his silence for the Times of Israel and wrote an op-ed about how under Trump, what he's seeing both in this country and what Trump is promoting worldwide are the conditions that inevitably lead to pogroms that lead to anti-Semitic attacks that, you know, and, and this kind of thing. And, and the fact that in the United States, not surprisingly, we've already seen the tree of life temple shooting based upon a Soros conspiracy theory. We've yeah. seen that the, the attacks on Jewish institutions on Jews themselves, or whatever are the highest in recorded history in this country right now, since they began. And he, he came out and said that this is the, you cannot discount how much Trump is a part of this, that he still supports both Republicans and Democrats. He named nobody else. And he said he still has Republican friends and they, you know, he's not criticizing the Republican party, but everybody needs to reject Trump. Now the democratic party should grab or the DNC that op-ed and be sending that to every Jewish Republican out there that they have a, a, a way to reach, you know, maybe even then the way they can, it's certainly maybe not the most hardcore Jewish Republicans, but anyone they believe, you know, on whatever consumer data they have and everything else that they believe is even slightly someone they could they could convince. But are they going to? I'd guess chances are no. All right. Well, can I lose the Debbie Downer race and 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 try say and some good shit before well, we you know, leave, and I was gonna say we need to wrap up. So why don't you help us wrap up happily? <laughs> yeah. Let me. Let me let, all right. I'll 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 try and end on a high note here. Um. I mean, look. I do think you know, per the the case I made in my article, I do think that the revelations from the Woodward book are significant in this race. If for no other reason, then they move the focus off of the ground that Trump wants it to be on, the highly polarizing issue of violence at protests, and onto ground where, despite Democrats maybe not being as effective as we could in laying out the case for Trump's failures on COVID, the majority of voters get it. You do see in polling that while strong partisan Republicans do support the president's approach to COVID, independents and Democrats overwhelmingly think that he has messed it up. So the focus being there is helpful at baseline. The fact that we now have seven weeks to go, a week ago we had eight weeks to go. And as John Anzalone and now put we have it, seven, it's uh, almost like a week went by. Right. We, Trump just lost, he just lost 15% of the time he has available to him focused on his massive failures that have killed 200,000 Americans. So every continued day that goes by, every week that goes by where that is dominating the focus of, of the conversation of, of the campaign is a good week for Joe Biden, who is consistently and steadily ahead uh, in all of the popular vote polls and in the swing states. And I guess the final point I would make, you know, is, is just that, you know, if you look down into the into the data of, of, of the most recent surveys, you know, the New York Times Siena poll came out a couple mm -hmm. days ago looking at uh, four different swing states, you see some really encouraging signs. Um, you know, in 2012, Barack Obama did not win independence. Biden is. Um, mm -hmm. Biden lost seniors by a whopping margin. He is still- I'm sorry. Yes, Hillary. Hillary, Hillary lost seniors. Biden is currently winning among seniors. And then, you know, Cliff, Cliff you alluded earlier to the massive impact that third party voting had uh, in 2016, especially in swing states like Wisconsin. Well, if you look at the swing states that the Times surveyed, um, you see a libertarian, Joe Jorgensen, getting three or four percent in states like Nevada and New Hampshire, respectively. 
um, and you presume that that is mostly pulling from the Republican side, and right. you see at the very least equally, it's making no difference. So right. at worst, but you're right, it's more it's probably more likely Republican. More likely Republican, and you know lower overall, and you see uh, you see the Green Party polling at close to zero. So there are a lot of encouraging signs, and while Democrats may not be doing this optimally, it does seem like it's working for now. And can I add to that? Because um, I want to add positive stuff before we leave. Uh, Jonathan Martin of, uh, is he the New York Times? Where is he at? Uh, yeah. I think so, yeah. Yes. He just he just um, tweeted out uh, four minutes ago, um, the Trump ballot share in four different polls uh, in Wisconsin since the Republican convention. Fox News, 42%. Marquette, which is school there in Wisconsin, 43%. New York Times, Siena, 43%. CNN, 42%. But what is very this again? This is the Trump's vote share in Wisconsin. Ah, okay. Very consistent. All of them are the 242s and 243s. Right. Um, that's the kind of thing with a big third party and fourth party, so to speak, vote, where you could pull it off. That's where the Green Party getting kicked off is huge. You're not, you can't, I mean, again, unless things change, you can't win. Uh, in Wisconsin, you're not you're not going to win with 42 or 43 percent. It's not possible. Um, but with the, with what the setup we have right now, and you know, and so his numbers have to either go up. Or he has to damage. There has something something has to change dramatically. And then there's the good news, bad news. The bad news, of course, being that you know it's a tragedy, obviously. But if we're being realistic, we have to take this into account, which is COVID is going to go back up. Every epidemiologist, of course, oh, yeah. is pointing this out. It is getting colder. As it gets colder, more events and things are going to be held indoors. And as more things are held indoors, there is going to be more spread. It is just inevitable. It fucking sucks. And it's not how I want it to be. But I'm not doing my job if I don't analyze that you know, and, and put that into this, which is Trump will not be able to ignore it because the numbers are going to start going back up. And that will be a story, uh, particularly in northern colder states, your Michigans and Wisconsin's and Minnesota's and Maine's and places where it gets colder even faster, where there's already in some days 40 degree temperatures. It, I woke up it's in Ohio today. In, it's snowed in uh, Denver. Even right, I, I, there you go. I woke up today in Ohio, which is obviously to the or not obviously nobody knows, but to the mm-hmm. south of Michigan, and I'm in the southern part of the state, and it was 52 degrees this morning. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, these are all you know that has to be taken into account, and that a lot of schools that are open are going to come crashing to a close, and other places things like that because of. So when you add all that up in a place like Wisconsin, Green Party gone, numbers for Trump very low, you know, uh, and and the the inevitable you know, reporting that's going to happen due to COVID. Again, you know, there still are positive signs in terms of how we're going to perform to look at. So, so the world isn't over folks. You know, we are still in position. If Not you do everything yet. in your power, if you do have, no, that's a bad one because he was really dead. Um, but if you put this in, he, 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 he had, had all of his parts of his body. He was pretty dead. Uh, I love that movie, but we don't want that metaphor. We want, we want Bruce Springsteen's The Rising. How about that is our metaphor? What I'm saying is, is that, is that we're still in very, very good shape of the six key swing states most contested I'm looking at, I would feel comfortable saying, particularly with Bloomberg's 100 million, I'd feel comfortable saying right now that we would win We would win Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, uh, Arizona, and Florida. The only one I'm not sure about is North Carolina, which is the closest of any of them. And we even have a very solid shot, I would say, uh, at Ohio, Texas, or Georgia. 
So we're in good shape. We're in a positive place. You, everybody on here, including the three people who are doing the talking, we need to do our parts to sway. Everybody. That's why I'm having my conversations with my friend who is, who is in Pennsylvania. <laughs> because every every vote matters and you swing that one vote even who the hell knows right yeah or right. swing that one vote of this friend of yours who he then convinces his wife or husband or best friends or whatever you don't know how many people you move with that because that friend changing gives permission to his friends or her friends if your friend is a her so everything and you so can on, do and so on yes i'm done matt you got anything to finish with that was a beautiful ending note. I can't possibly uh, uh, augment it in any way. I don't know that. <laughs> John augmented it. <laughs> a screaming, a screaming Greek goat will always <laughs> augment everything. That's actually uh, the noise uh, that uh, uh, that many of us made when said court. Okay, I'm not going to say Yeah, I, well, yeah, that was that's the noise Ivanka made when whatever. All right, we'll let it go. Uh, we'll let it go. My Twitter feed's not letting it go, but we'll let it go here. All right, That's Matt, cool. thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank so you, much. dude. Wait, wait, wait. Nope. Let's nope. make sure Matt gets in everything. Oh, yeah. How do people find you? If you're not following Matt on Twitter, you should be. Uh, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make this an issue for you, Matt. What's your Twitter? Uh, Matt L. Robeson. So it's Robinson without the N. They didn't like the N. Um, yeah. So, so first of all, yeah, that's uh, uh, the etymology is rabbi's son. So it's R-O-B-I-S-O-N, no N in the middle. And uh, Matt L. Robeson, which was uh, the closest to my name with my middle initial that I could get. Ah, now that where I, does your name out, come from, John? What do you mean? What's it? We don't know. We don't know. We don't know. It's only my family's name, which is weird. Uh, it doesn't exist anywhere else. And we don't know if it comes from Arab we don't know if it comes from uh, uh, somebody at the Greek embassy once told me there was an ancient Greek word meaning something about corn and farming or something. We just don't know where the name came from. And it, it's weird because, like I said, it's only my family. There's nobody. There was no one else has that name. Yeah. Well, you weird. know what mine means, which I thought people would appreciate. Schechter. I don't know. It means in German because we are from the, a big chunk of my family comes from either Berlin or Aus- or um, Vienna and both or both. Um, hmm. It means ritual slaughterer. Seriously. <laughs> Dead serious. We killed the, the, the Greek goats, if you will. Wow. And we performed the ritual to make them kosher. Oh, but that means you made them kosher. Yeah, so that's a good thing. Yeah. Well, theoretically, I, I'm not no. – I mean, that's the, the I mean, biggest, it wasn't just like you like to slaughter people. In my life, the biggest hypocrisy in my life that I, I, I try to deal with is how much I love animals and that I eat meat. I don't like the idea of killing anything, so, it, you know. So I, but, yes, we're, we were ritual slaughterers is what we huh. were. But let's get back to Matt. I just thought we should do that out of interest because, you know. So it's Matt, Matt, Matt L. Robeson is the world. Twitter. What else do you have for people to find you? Well, I, I was just going to ask. So if I meet an Aravosas in the world, they're, they're a relative of yours, John. Yes. Yes. Wow. I know. Good. I was trying to think of like other names that fit that category where literally it's your family and it doesn't exist elsewhere. What else? You know, it's weird. Wow, that's yeah. awesome. Very weird. Uh, okay. So, yeah, I'm uh, Matt L. Robeson uh, on Twitter. And uh, I write frequently for Alternet, uh, which you can Google. Uh, I have uh, and I have a podcast with my former boss in Congress, Paul Hodes, called Off the Record, um, which you can also find on all the platforms. And you just had John Anzalone, the you know Biden's pollster and a top pollster on. So they get some damn good Woo! guests. I, yeah, that's should hear on Friday. I've even had uh, this guy Cliff Schechter. Um, I hear he's a ritual slaughterer. Down- eh, yeah, ritual that slaughterer. Was, that, was, that was a down week. Exactly. They wanted to bring somebody on to slaughter some some innocent animals. Make the goat sound, John. 
Oh, ah. there you go. Oh, you're right. I should have. Sorry, I wasn't thinking. I thought I kind of milked that goat a bit too much. So yes. Uh, yeah, they got stuck with me one week. I promise you guys that I'm not the usual guest. It's usually much better. You should listen. Okay. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Thanks a lot, Matt. Matt. Take care, buddy. All right. Bye, All guys. Right. We'll see you folks next week. Take care, guys. And now, folks, we are going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. Take it away, Cliff. Well, John, now that we've said goodbye to summer, and I'm, I'm tearing up a little bit over that. I know. It's time for things to get back in our everyday autumn groove. The kids are back to school. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, <laughs> it may not be. Uh, everything is flavored with pumpkin spice. And before you know, not my stuff, but before you know, the leaves will start changing color. With so much changing around us, it's increasingly difficult to find that extra time for you. The time you need to take care of yourself and look your best. With Plexiderm, all you need is 10 minutes, John, and you can look 10 years younger. Oh That's God. correct. That's right. Plexiderm yep. is a clinically studied serum that gives your appearance the right kind of changes, visibly reduces wrinkles, fine lines, and even under eye bags in minutes. Plexiderm even works on laugh lines. Number 11s, John. We know all Number 11s. Yep. Crow's feet. Take up to 10 years off your appearance in less than 10 minutes. The results will last for hours, and you can take the family apple picking and look your best the whole time. Even better, Plexiderm doesn't involve any visits to a surgeon and costs less than a round of pumpkin spice lattes for you and your friends. Depending on where you live, perhaps. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. You can try a six-application trial pack for just $14.95 with free shipping when you visit triplexiderm.com or call 800-685-1292 and say the code VOICES. This order also comes with free shipping and a 30-day money-back guarantee. Make those wrinkles, lines, and under-eye bags, and yes, number 11s, John, disappear with Plexiderm. Visit triplexiderm.com or call 800-685-1292 and save the code VOICES at checkout. 